Welcome to Yes, X or No Audio. Forget the trees, see the forest. Tectonic shifts in geopolitics. Published October 13th, 2022. Introduction. This essay revisits a theme of this newsletter, the integration of Eurasia and Africa, the supercontinent, and how this threatens the USA's unipolar moment achieved after the dissolution of the USSR. Recent events will serve as an escape from this heavier topic and will be placed amongst this greater theme. We are witnessing the evolution of the next great power shift. The dissolution of the USSR was the most recent, with the end of World War II and its Bretton Woods, United Nations, International Monetary Fund, World Bank setup as the preceding event. A recap. The Ukraine war, as historians may name it, began in 2014 as a civil war between the unelected government midwifed into existence by a USA-facilitated coup using Stefan Bandera worshipping Nazis as the strong arm with a few snipers to kick things off. The CIA has had its fingers in Ukraine and among Nazi-worshipping groups there since 1954. In 2014, Russian-speaking people in eastern Ukraine feared what these ultra-nationalist Nazis would meet upon them. The accession of Crimea and the burning alive of protesters in Odessa's trade unions building inspired them and reinforced their concerns. The Kiev government created the civil war and launched both regular and newly integrated Nazi paramilitary organisations against the resisting eastern provinces. The most interesting part of all of this is how quickly the civil war was created. Ukraine has been a multi-ethnic nation throughout most of the last century. As a Soviet republic, freedom of movement and labour between Ukraine, its provinces and Mother Russia eased these ethnic tensions. Following the dissolution of the USSR, Ukraine was left to fend for itself. Zbigniew Brzezinski identified Ukraine as the next opportunity following the Afghan war to weaken Russia. It was a powder keg waiting for a match. Recent events. On October 8, 2022, a bomb in a truck travelling from the Kerch side of the Kerch to Crimea bridge was exploded, igniting multiple sections of a fuel train and severing two sections of one of the two road platforms. Within days, Ukraine's postal service had issued the graphic for a new stamp picturing two explosions on this bridge. It was displayed at bus stops and other locations in central Ukraine. Citizens were inspired to take selfies standing before the proposed stamp. Ukrainian officials expressed their joy at three people being killed and damaged to the bridge. Plans by UK intelligence for such an operation emerged. Western media floated the idea that Russia attacked its own bridge. Brian Baletic the new atlas, reviewed 
the BBC's response to the attack on the bridge and Russia's response using many missiles to damage Ukrainian power and rail transport infrastructure. The BBC's morally inconsistent response displays simple propaganda. Nobody who lives outside of this propaganda bubble was surprised at all. Many of us don't read articles by Western media on this topic except to see which next stupid idea they propose. The greater battle is not of civilizations but continents. Propaganda is a powerful weapon against domestic populations. Larry Johnson reviewed the USA's most recent strategic security thingy and shows that it is just as full of the same narrative echoing stupidity. They have drunk their own Kool-Aid. Apologies, listeners. A hailstorm has just arrived, so that would explain the background noise, should you hear it. My apologies. Propaganda extends into the think tanks just beyond the arm of but advising their government. Dave DeCamp, the news editor at Anti-War, reports of a NATO plan to spend the next decade transitioning Ukraine's military. The mission is to get them to stop using Russian-designed systems and instead use NATO, read USA, military systems. If Ukraine is not already a de facto NATO state, this would solidify it. USA weapons manufacturers will make a killing. Sorry for that nasty pun. There is a parallel reason for this. All of the stocks of old Soviet weaponry which were possessed by the West have already been sent to Ukraine and destroyed. There is no other option than to refit the Ukraine armed forces with Western produced armaments. Central economic interests must be guarded. Alex Christoforou reports that the new trend in the West is to provide air defence systems to Ukraine. The list of nations wishing to donate these systems includes the USA, France, the UK, the Netherlands and Germany. Alex reports that Ukraine will get the new IRIS-T system before Germany's own army. More money for the military contractors and undermining your own defence. Really? Air defence systems are complicated, else you shoot down commercial aircraft, your own aircraft or your own bloody missiles. How can Ukraine integrate five or more new different systems? They can't. Actually, no, they should not. This is optics. Political grandstanding is just another part of the whole strategy. Wrangling at the United Nations. Some USA bootlicker, or perhaps the USA itself, requested an emergency session of the United Nations General Assembly to force nations to vote on the legitimacy of the recent referenda in the liberated former provinces of Ukraine, Lugansk, Donetsk, Kherson, and the unspellable Zaporozhye. Western media allegations of voting at gunpoint have been disproved by many international observers. 
Obviously, none of the Western media people were there to observe anything. This is just another part of hybrid war, the current USA doctrine. War on all fronts. Kinetic, intelligence, media, partner pressure and international bodies. The results were a little surprising. 143 votes for, 35 abstentions and 5 against. The abstentions amount to governments representing the majority of the global population, including China and India. We are not going there. The five against are interesting. Obviously, Russia leads with Belarus beside her. North Korea is unsurprising. Similarly, Syria sided with the nation, along with Iran, which had helped her in the not-yet-finished proxy war on her territory. The interesting fifth nation was Nicaragua. Perhaps that is not so interesting. Central America has been a constant hotbed of resistance to and compliance with USA domination ever since the Monroe Doctrine. The visibility of resistance and imposition has grown since World War II following the 1954 USA coup in Guatemala and all of the US-funded hot wars in the 1980s. Mexico's vote for the resolution is perhaps even more interesting. It's about the economy, stupid. Philanderer William Clinton broke USA promises to not expand NATO one inch eastward of East Germany. He did quip the subtitle above during a USA election. This essay speaks of the economy at a wider scale geoeconomics. A build-up of Ukrainian forces on the borders of the Donetsk and Luhansk self-declared independent regions in February 2022 was followed by a dramatic increase in shelling. Any military commander can see this as a simple sequence of events which will likely lead to a major assault. It was this escalation which led the Russian Federation to recognise the independence of the regions, establish diplomatic relations and provide military support. Two bills in Parliament were considered, with differing mechanisms to establish the recognition. Both were overwhelmingly supported. It is the economic responses of the West, by which I mean USA, NATO and the EU in that order, which are of our interest. An initial economic salvo was the impounding of between 120 and 300 billion US dollars of Russian foreign reserves held in European and USA banks. Soon to follow were sanctions against Russian nationals. As soon as the disunity of Europe could be corralled into a semblance of unity, the energy sanctions against Russian natural gas and oil were applied. Package after sanctions package would follow, targeting other natural resources for trade by Russia. The declared purpose was to defund Russia's war chest. That mission has failed. Were there other objectives? Trade blocks. Since the Ukraine war shifted from a civil war into an invasion, the West have applied the most extensive sanctions program against any single government since at least World War II. The claim of the intent to defund the Russian Federation's war chest is believable but incomplete. 
at a geopolitical level, the USA empire is crumbling. The biggest threat is not Russia, but China, as the USA has recently admitted. Thus, the attack on Russia is an attempt to remove the weaker of the two partners. Ukraine is a sideshow. The people who occupy this grand chessboard space do not care about dead mothers or orphaned children. These emotional responses are for the irrelevant people. We control the media, we'll trigger their emotional responses when it suits our agenda. We now get onto a sticky wicket. The repeated sanctions against the Russian Federation have not just failed, they have left Europe in deep trouble and are also having an effect on the USA itself. The media term is boomerang. The question is why continue to do something that has moved beyond not working into the territory of it's hurting us? There are two obvious explanations, incompetence or undeclared purposes. The simplest explanation is a combination of the two. The economic weakening of Russia has been partially successful, but the rebound effect has begun for the USA and has been disastrous for Europe. An undeclared purpose is the deindustrialization of Germany. The recent attacks on the Nord Stream pipelines further this objective. Repeated statements from USA officials are that they wish for this war to go on for a long time. The USA and UK's blocking of negotiations to resolve the conflict reinforce this conclusion. The USA wants a long war. This will fuel her military-industrial complex and supposedly weaken Russia. I expect that the first will be achieved, but see little reason to believe the second. If one could speak with Napoleon or Hitler, they may well express regret at having pursued a war against Russia. Russia is well equipped with natural resources and has essential materials, including energy, to trade for materials she lacks to maintain her military capability. Her population adulate their heroes from the Great Patriotic War, as Russia's part in World War II is known to them. Russia defends her major industries, ensuring that they are either owned by the government or by nationally registered corporations. She has learned from the plunder of the 1990s. Russia remains an essential exporter of a raft of key products, including energy, food and a large collection of materials which are essential for advanced industry. Neon, palladium, aluminium and many more. Alex Christoforou reports that the USA government is considering its next sanctions package against Russia, this time targeting Russia's aluminium producer, Rusal. The USA is being warned by sector specialists, as so many times before, do not do this. It is likely to go ahead. It is just the next wedge to separate nations into trading blocks. The process of us or them continues. The difference from the last Cold War is that the non-aligned movement is far more organised. China and Russia, via their SEO and BRICS organisations, are providing an integrated opportunity to escape USA hegemony. Thus, the division continues, but nations are feeling more freedom to move. They are not so cornered. 
What is happening is a reconfiguration of world trade. Lashing out. In Status Anxiety and the War in Ukraine, Professor Paul Robinson provides a window into the psychological status of the USA power players as they see their global influence waning. Professor Alfred McCoy in The Geopolitics of the Ukraine War provides us with a history and analysis of the nature of USA hegemonic decline. Chris Hedges has been writing about this for years. Indeed, he's written an entire book on the topic. In a recent article, Patrick Lawrence issues a mea culpa on believing that the puppets in charge will not use nuclear weapons. The recent elevation of comparisons of the all-too-hot Cuban Missile Crisis are valid. The USA ran a totally illegal naval blockade around Cuba. Those who have studied history know that Russian submariner Arkhipov saved us all. A recent public service announcement in New York, New York, advised people in the event of a nuclear attack to take three actions. The USA knows a hell of a lot more now about nuclear war than in the 1950s, but their public advice has not improved beyond crawling under a school desk. The current advice is, go inside, go to the centre of the building, wait for authorities before coming out. My version is to echo understanding developed in the 1980s. Bend over, put your head between your legs, and kiss your ass goodbye. Assuming we still have asses in the future, these current events are the next tectonic shift in international power relations. Those who deny this are disinterested, ill-informed, or lying to you. Thanks for listening. Until next time.